Los Angeles. Hello, Los Angeles. There we go. Welcome to Love It or Leave It Halloween edition. Tonight, we'll be visited by the ghost of producer Brian, which is weird because he is alive and sitting in front of us. It's probably a misprint. Haunted Mansion director Justin Simeon is here to scream through the most horrifying non-horror movies. Jamie Loftus and Kieran Deal size up the sexual appeal of the supernatural. Our spines are tingling. And then some. We bring back our extremely popular scream wheel. And the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead becomes so thin, we can dance with the goblins and the demons of the night, but only until 7 p.m., because Serious Garage needs us to get out of here. But first, let's get into it. What a week. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. (laughs) All right, get out of your systems. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign has launched a Trump accident tracker meant to highlight Trump's verbal goofs and controversial statements on the campaign trail. The spokesperson added, even Trump's most committed supporters are sure to switch to our camp when they see how gaff-free Ron DeSantis is. Now I best be off, Governor DeSantis is visiting a school today where he'll create a viral video explaining wokeness to a confused child before insulting her drawing of the family dog. The DeSantis campaign pointed out that Trump recently referred to Viktor Orban as the leader of Turkey, when in reality, he's the prime minister of Hungary. Well, that does it. That's the last straw, said a disgusted Trump supporter, throwing his MAGA hat in the garbage and wiping his tears away with a dog-eared copy of Foreign Affairs. (laughs) Meanwhile, presidential hopeful in the same way I'm an Olympic hopeful, Chris Christie, (laughs) reminisced about his old pre-debate rituals this week, telling reporters this. I used to listen to Usher um, uh, pre-debate. Um, but that seems to have gotten dated now. And my kids make fun of me for that, so I don't listen to Usher anymore. Listen to now. Chris Christie wants to fuck Usher, and I think that's a cool fact. Another cool fact about our friend, my friend, Chris Christie. But Chris should get with the times. The only Usher we want to hear about is the one who politely asked Lauren Boebert to stop jerking that guy off. Last week, Donald Trump was fined $5,000 for violating the gag order in his New York civil fraud trial after he left a post on his website calling Judge Arthur and Gorin's clerk Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. But can we please stop referring to that as an insult, repeated Chuck Schumer. (laughs) And then this week, on Wednesday, having learned nothing, Trump told reporters, this judge is a very partisan judge with a person who is very partisan sitting alongside him, perhaps even much more partisan than he is. What Trump has figured out is that with some time and concentration, you can actually train your esophagus to bypass a gag order. (laughs) The judge then made made Trump take the stand to explain his very partisan comment. Trump claimed that he actually wasn't talking about the judge's clerk like it seemed. He was talking about that rat bastard Michael Cohn who was testifying that day. But Trump, unable to help himself, repeated that the clerk is maybe unfair and very biased against him. So... (laughs) So he tries to pull a fast one on this judge. He goes, the judge sucks, and there's another person who sucks sitting nearby, but who do I mean? And they're just like, you mean my clerk, fuck you. So anyway, (laughs) he may have been our worst president, but Trump is one of our finest messy bitches who lives for drama. So the judge didn't buy it and fined Trump another $10,000. But I think we all know that these fines aren't going to change Trump's behavior. He needs to start getting squirted with a spray bottle like when a cat keeps jumping on the stove. Or jail, I guess. I'm not a judge. This issue actually blew up what was ultimately a good day for Trump in his trial when questioned as to whether or not the Trump organization had ever asked him to inflate numbers on Trump's personal financial statements. Michael Cohen said, not that I can recall, 
no, which actually contradicts Michael Cohn's 2019 testimony before Congress. Immediately, Trump's attorneys asked the judge to issue a verdict. In response, Judge Ngoron said, absolutely denied. There's enough evidence in this case to fill this courtroom. When the judge said no, Trump abruptly jumped out of his chair and ran out of the court, the Secret Service chasing after him. This is real. While Cohen was still on the stand. The courtroom artist was trying to draw it, but ran out of paper to sketch that ass. Sketch that ass. I know this isn't traditionally how court works, but we need to start giving him a glass of wine to throw. You know? Let's bravo this shit up. Trump also told reporters as he left, the witness just admitted that we won the trial and the judge should end this trial immediately. Back in the courtroom, realizing that he had fucked up, Cohen tried to explain what he said earlier when he was questioned by prosecutors again, telling the court about Trump. He did not specifically state, Michael, go inflate the numbers. Donald Trump speaks like a mob boss and what he does is he tells you what he wants without specifically telling you. You know how Taylor Swift has gailers? I'm like that, but for unspoken crimes, Donald Trump weaves through words and ketchup-flavored spittle. Did you guys see today that on 1989, the the new batch or whatever it's called, uh, (laughs) Taylor says that she thought she could hang out with her female friends and that that wouldn't be sexualized or sensationalized, but that happened anyway, which people are taking as potentially a rebuke to the Gaylers. (sighs) Trump really has two modes. Let's see where it goes. Kissing football players, squashing the bisexual rumors. What's happening? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Gotta follow the money. (laughs) Trump really has two modes savvy mob boss and emails with the subject line crime ideas. That's a punchline to a joke I began minutes ago. Anyway, after court broke for the day, Judge Ngoron defended his use of the gag order, saying, I am very protective of my staff. I don't want anybody killed. Sorry, but I truly cannot relate, replied Trump. (laughs) In Washington, our long national whatever is over. Republicans finally found the House Speaker they have longed for, a hard-right MAGA conservative, or what happens if an Oompa Loompa goes to Liberty University, Mike Johnson. (laughs) In case you were wondering... How to feel about this new House Speaker, here is Johnson and his colleague shutting down a reporter asking about January 6th. <laughs> what has happened? It, you, there was it not that long ago, the idea of a member of Congress just going, boo, shut up, to reporters, like, inconceivable. That is uh, uh, Virginia Republican Virginia Fox, no relation to Jamie Fox, <laughs> shouting, shut up. For a little background on Mike Johnson, he supported Donald Trump's election fraud scheme, being the first of over 100 Republicans to sign an amicus brief in a Texas lawsuit attempting to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, which is like throwing the first brick at Stonewall at Marsha P. Johnson. In 2020, Speaker Johnson, no relation, also spread the baseless Republican conspiracy theory about Dominion voting machines. You know, the allegations about these these voting machines, some of them being rigged with this software by Dominion. Look, there's a lot of merit to that. And when the president says the election is rigged, that's what he's talking about, that it was the fix was in. Uh, It's amazing how much fucked up stuff you can get away with saying when you have America's most generic, forgettable name and face. Ask me about this guy in 10 minutes. I won't remember any of this. Mike Johnson, I think he's a baseball player. Johnson voted for a national abortion ban, called the day Roe v. Wade got overturned an extraordinary day in American history, and once complained that abortions were doing this. Roe v. Wade gave constitutional cover to the elective killing of unborn children in America, period. You think about the implications of that on the economy, 
We're all struggling here to, to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. Yeah, pregnant 14-year-olds, think of the NASDAQ. <laughs> the grind begins at conception. Johnson also voted against the bipartisan law that protected same-sex marriage and introduced a national version of a don't-say-gay bill. Sorry, Mike, pretending that gays don't exist in the hopes that they'll just disappear won't work. Reagan tried and he got pretty close, but we're still kicking. Johnson isn't just against gay marriage in the soft, sweet, live-and-let-live way of some of his colleagues these days. Mike Johnson is actually passionate about gay sex. He wrote in a mid-2000s editorial, he is, in a mid-2000s editorial, he wrote, experts project that homosexual marriage is the dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic. I gotta learn how to do it that way. <laughs> that seems awesome. I'm not doing it right. If you could do that, that's cool. Shit. In the end, he was only talking about George Santos, but he didn't know that. In fact, in his legal career, Mike Johnson advocated for laws that banned not just gay marriage, but gay relationships entirely. He was horrified by the Supreme Court's decision in Lawrence v. Texas that overturned laws making sodomy illegal. States have always maintained the right to discourage the evils of sexual conduct outside of marriage, and the state is right to discriminate between heterosexual and homosexual conduct, he wrote. By closing these bedroom doors, the courts have opened a Pandora's box. He really doesn't get it. If we were interested in Pandora's box, we wouldn't be doing all this sodomy. <laughs> After his election to speaker, Johnson offered this explanation for why his wife wasn't in attendance at the ceremony on Thursday. She spent the last uh, couple of weeks on her knees in prayer to the Lord, and um, she's a little worn out. It's hard to articulate Mike Johnson's vibe, but that's it. <laughs> Cucked by God. But... Tim Scott chimed in to say, ah, me too. Same. That's where my girlfriend was. What? Your wife missed the ceremony because she prayed too hard over the previous two weeks? Like, that's not real. Like, that's not even, like, a real thing. Like, what do you mean? Your wife missed this incredibly important day because she was praying too hard? What are you talking about? What the fuck? Johnson also worked for an organization that built a replica of Noah's Ark to scale in a museum that explained how all of the dinosaurs fit on there. Really. So we're pretty fucked. Uh, there's just no way around it. The B-52s who were slated to perform at an upcoming White House state dinner have pulled out of the performance citing the Israel-Hamas war. Said First Lady Jill Biden, while we had initially planned for the legendary B-52s to perform their iconic dance and party music, we are now in a time when so many are facing sorrow and pain. Some would even say that this is no longer a love shack baby. <laughs> Jill Biden then held for a laugh that never came before being bitten by a dog we haven't met yet. Look, I think it's the right move for the B-52s. Also, we here at Love It or Leave It know a bargain when we see it. Ladies and gentlemen, the B-52s! They're not here. What if the B... Imagine if the B-52s were here right now to come in. You should have done it. The Justice Department issued subpoenas on Monday for documents related to Tesla's autopilot system, part of the DOJ's investigation into the validity of the car manufacturer's self-driving claims. Early reports say that the DOJ plans to bring a Tesla into the courtroom and have its mom and dad call it from both sides of the room to see which it drives over to. <laughs> Meanwhile, see, 
The FDA said Wednesday that it was gathering information about the case of a college student who died after drinking Panera's charged lemonade. According to a lawsuit filed by the family of the student who had a heart condition, a large of the drink contains more caffeine than a can of Red Bull and Monster Energy drink combined, plus guarana extract and the equivalent of almost 30 teaspoons of sugar. I did my own research. A large lemonade from Panera has 390 milligrams of caffeine per large cup. That's more caffeine than five shots of espresso or a Trenta cold brew from Starbucks or eight cans of Diet Coke. Holy shit. What are the, why? Why? You can, it's free fucking refills. <laughs> when reached for comment, the CEO of Panera said, oh my God, this is terrible. This is terrible. Fuck, 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 fuck. What do I do? I don't know. I don't know. What if I write a song about it? I can write a song about it and it'll be raw and honest and real. Lemonade killed the radio. So we're sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. It has to be real. No, no, no. Shut up. Shut up. I'm really vibing right now. Pen America, a nonprofit promoting freedom of expression, revealed a list of books that are currently banned in American prisons, including The Art of War by Sun Tzu and Amy Schumer's memoir, The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. I agree with the prisons. It's too dangerous for inmates to learn how to command Chinese armies in the 5th century or whatever The Art of War is about. <laughs> NFL officials have said that the league will work with the Players Union on allowing current and former players to participate in Olympic flag football in 2028. Olympic flag football. You promise you'll stop if I goose your little tushy? <laughs> a new study published in the journal Royal Society Open Science details the numerous method employed by female frogs to evade aggressive horny males during mating season. Method number one, taking over a gay bar. Okay. European common frogs gather in shallow pools every spring for a bacchanal called explosive breeding which I thought was just one of those mysterious categories you see if you switch over to straight Pornhub. <laughs> During explosive breeding, six or seven males may latch onto a single female in what's called a mating ball, which can result in the female drowning under the weight of her suitors. Not exactly ribbit for her pleasure. No, thank you. The most common tactic to deflect males is for the female to roll over, but some get more creative. Playing dead is common, and in some instances, females will imitate the sounds of males, so a male latching on simply thinks he grabbed a dude and lets go. <laughs> ribbit, ribbit, no homo. The female frogs are really convincing. We have a recording of a female imitating a male here. Yeah, yeah, no. Killers of the Flower Moon was good, uh, but it's second tier Scorsese. Like, have you even seen Mean Streets? Ugh. It is awesome to see that evolution of Scorsese as an artist. It's all fucking there, but almost like in a beta version, you know? Oh, you haven't? Oh, it's insane. Uh, also, Ribbit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Michelle Williams' impersonation of Justin Timberlake for the audiobook version of Britney Spears' The Woman and Me has set the gay internet alight. Hear it for yourself. One day, Jay and I were in New York going to parts of town I'd never been to before. Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, faux shiz, faux shiz, genuine, what's up, homie? Genuine responded, Good to see you, Joey Fatone. <laughs> to recap, that's a white woman pretending to be a white woman, pretending to be a white man, pretending to be a black guy. It's a rich, layered performance, and Michelle should get the Grammy now. While on Kimmel, singer Olivia Rodrigo admitted that the shoehorn she thought she received as part of a gift from President Biden during a White House visit was, in fact, an ice cream scoop. <laughs> if she got my ice cream scoop, what the heck have I been using to serve ice cream to my grandkids? Oh, geez, Joe. 
An Alaska Airlines flight landed in Portland, Oregon after an off-duty pilot riding in the cockpit allegedly tried to disrupt the operations of the engines, an unsuccessful attempt for which he is now being charged with 83 counts of attempted murder. The pilot told police that he had consumed psychedelic mushrooms for the first time about 48 hours before boarding. I've heard about a bad trip, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) After leading... After leaving the cockpit, Everson said to a flight attendant, you need to cuff me right now or it's going to be bad. Which is what I say at the Taco Bell drive-thru every goddamn time I go. A man was mistakenly locked in a steel-reinforced concrete vault overnight while trying to access the safe deposit box. Firefighters tried for 10 hours to free the man, but decided it would be safer to just wait until the vault reopened automatically at 7 a.m. the next morning. Also, I have a feeling they got sick of me just yelling, give me a sec, I've done a ton of escape rooms. (laughs) Emergency responders stopped after reaching the vault steel plating. The problem with the plating is we'd have to use our torches, said the assistant fire chief. Who the fuck gave you permission to speak, said the fire chief. (laughs) (laughs) The firefighters feared using torches would affect the environment for the person inside the vault. Anyway, shout out to those firefighters for not roasting that guy alive because he wanted to check on his mother's favorite brooch right before the bank closed. The man was unharmed. The amount of cum, piss, and shit in the vault did force force them to close the bank until it could be fully sterilized. And finally, according to Guinness World Records, the oldest dog ever, Bobby, passed away Monday at the age of 31 and a half years old. Bobby ultimately chose assisted suicide with the family doctor, Jeff Kokorgian. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When we come back, a tragedy. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. And we're back. Before the show continues, I have to share some unfortunate news. I don't know why I said it like that. This is actually very sad. Just before I came out here, producer Brian was tragically crushed to death by a chandelier. Hundred percent the wrong kind of organ. <laughs> That's baseball organ. We were looking for horror organ, something Phantom of the Opera adjacent. Brian's demise was very sudden, almost supernatural. He was just standing there below the enormous chandelier in the serious garage green room, bitching about how I was late because I just had to go to Panda Express, and then he was gone. In his final moments, though, he wrote this eulogy for me to deliver because I forced him to. Producer Brian was like a son to me in that he was so, so, so much younger than me. What the fuck? (laughs) So young as to be the age of a possible son. No, fuck this. (laughs) Just go to the memorial photo. Guys, really? That's the only photo we have? Brian dresses the Babadook? <laughs> All right. Rest in peace, Brian. You finally get a Thursday off. When we come back, Justin Simeon is here. And we're back! Please welcome to the stage the man behind Haunted Mansion, Bad Hair, and Dear White People, three of the scariest things I can imagine. It's the incredible Justin Simeon. Hi, thanks for being here. Did your producer just die? Yeah, he's dead. Oh, man. 
I'm but so you know, sorry. The show must go on. Okay, yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. That's how I feel about it. If you're good, I'm good. I'm great. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Like oh, I'm it, good. I love it. I mean, I, yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it'll be hard to fill. I mean, he was very good at his job. Yeah. If you need a process, I'm. it's fine. No, no, I'm just more thinking about like the interviewing process. Is that what you mean? Oh, yeah. Or you yeah. mean like emotionally? Like, your feelings, yeah. Your like sorrow. Having directed Haunted Mansion. Yes. Uh, Related. Do you, be- do you believe in hauntings? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I do. I'm black and gay and from the South. So it's kind of part and parcel of one's upbringing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is a gay thing to believe in ghosts? You know, isn't it? Like, aren't we haunted by the, the voices of Diva's past? I suppose we are. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. You should, though. You should think about it that way. And then being from the South. Mm-hmm. That's ghosts all, are real. Ghosts are real. In the South, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slavery. Right. So. Right. Wow. Y'all weren't ready for slavery. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone ever ready for slavery? I wasn't. Our people were not. Okay? But I'm here. But you're here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what gay people are haunted by? What? We're haunted by, like, our true selves. Because we're not allowed to be that at first. That's really interesting. I do think... I am, I am often haunted by the version of myself. I am haunted by the idea of the version of myself that would have existed in a world in which I had not internalized so much homophobia. I think I said it more eloquently. <laughs> we just met. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm haunted by this show so far. <laughs> but you know You're what I mean? A, yeah. No, like, for real. It's, I think about this shit all the time, too. Because you can never actually... It's like when they... It's like when, when um, you're like, oh, like, you know, when, when people say, like, people will say, like, um, you know, you don't want to lose weight for other people. You got to lose weight for yourself. But we live in a world with other people. It's how do you conceive of what something is to do for yourself as if you're not doing it for yourself, a being that exists surrounded by other people perceiving you. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I'm not I, I kind of lost you like <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> but I think I agree. Like, it's hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like when does when does what you are, when does the, the idea of yourself, irrespective of what others judgment would be end, and you as a person who has to exist in the world begin honestly i think a lot of my work is about this in some way it's trying to figure out who you'd be if it wasn't for all of these societal forces that sort of you had to survive you know right and then but it's also inconceivable because those forces not only stop you from being one version of of yourself they are they are barriers and obstacles that test you and strengthen you in other ways Yeah. yeah 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 that's true so we're all fucked. <laughs> and so and so and so we're haunted by a beautiful but weaker version of ourselves we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really fun. And that's what being gay is. I think so. What's being black? Oh, very similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, honestly, very fucking similar, okay, but way worse. Right, right, um, right. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> would it be cruel of God to allow restless spirit to linger halfway between the human realm and the afterlife? Is that something a benevolent God would do? Yeah, that sounds fun. Hmm. 
I don't know. I transition very poorly. I think it's because I have ADHD, but like I would like the chance to sort of not be in either place, I think, after death, personally. Yeah, just to chill, just to yeah, kind of like so, chill for a bit. Yeah, like can I, yeah, can I chill? Can I rest? Like I'm not ready for like hell or heaven. Like I just want to walk around the earth and have nobody see me for a while. That actually sounds great. No, it does. It does sound cool. You know, because when we die, like you're, you know, you disappear but the thing doesn't lose any weight, so where were you? You know what mm. I mean? Wait, what doesn't lose weight when you die? Well, like, you know, the, the, the soul doesn't have a weight. You die, you're gone. That we know of. Right, but I'm they just saying... They might have a whole, like, ghost physically, of Zippic shit happening. No, I, and I know. think that's right. We don't know. They might have their own societal, like, versions of our things. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> and I'll let you know. What was it like working with Jamie Lee Curtis? It was great. <laughs> It was so good. Honestly, it was really good. She's like everything you want her to be. She comes into a room and you are just sort of filled with energy from this woman. She is one of those magnetic, dynamic people that uh, are exactly as you think they would be. You think it's because she's eating that yogurt that helps you poop? I think that's the primary reason, yeah. We should all eat that kind of yogurt. And she has great, great stories about her and Christopher Guest uh, that I I just highly recommend you bringing up if you're around her. Good tip. Yeah. Gotta write that down. Yeah. Justin. Yes. It's currently spooky season. (sighs) But horror, the Uh finest film genre there is, isn't just limited to October. And terror is not limited to just one genre. In fact, we'd like to lend your directorial eye to the most terrifying, most grotesque, most depraved, most horrifying movies that aren't horror movies. (laughs) Well, this should go well. (laughs) We'll be ranking... (laughs) We'll be ranking movies on a scale from 1 to 27 dresses. Which is bad. 27 dresses. It's bad. It's bad. Real bad. Yeah, that's the, that's the scariest. What's like 20 dresses? Um, I would say 20 dresses would be... Let's, let's, let's take a first movie. Let's see I think, what happens. Let's see what okay. happens. I think this okay. is roughly... I think our first movie is basically in that ballpark. Okay. 1997's My Best Friend's Wedding. Mm-hmm. The terror of realizing that Julia Roberts and Dilmer Mulroney made a pact to get married if they hadn't found anyone by 28. Wow. Which means they are 27 or younger in the film. Oh, and Cameron Diaz's character is in college. Horrifying. Every, this is, how many dresses? 28. You think it's 28. That's it. That's maximum. This, this I th- poster is terrifying me. <laughs> There's like a whole, and, and to be honest with you, this was my worst nightmare because I knew y'all were going to pick a bunch of white movies, like white people movies that I don't have like a strong um, feeling about either way. <laughs> no offense. It's a great movie and I love Julia Roberts and all white people, but I, I think <laughs> this one's a 27 dresser I'm just for me. checking and they are going to be all I knew in it. this bad. I knew it because yeah. every time like one of your producers is like, oh no, like one of these movies, I'm like, I, I don't, great. Let's do it. 27. How many dresses do you give it? I think in this, I think this is like 20 dresses. That's why I thought it was a good number to pick because I I think it is horrifying, but we'll get worse. Okay. I started too high up the dress meter. It's okay. Okay. We're having fun. We are. Are you having fun? I am. I'm having fun too. Okay. We're both having fun. Okay, cool. 2001's Shallow Howl. The horror of finding mm-hmm. out that your new boyfriend has been hallucinating a Gwyneth Paltrow thin <laughs> version of you the entire time he's known you. You think anyone could keep a lid on that throughout an entire relationship? No. If I'm hell, I'm spilling the beans the first time we get drunk together because the ending taught us they really love each other. And if so, they would not they would have communicated with each other. I have See a question. What, yeah. You're, okay. 
the fat shadow behind her, what does that represent? That represents her real self that he what? can't see. <laughs> and th- this is this is in the era like this was in the era where like yeah, so this film is basically saying that he's a good person because he loves the real her, which means he sees a version of her that doesn't exist. Is the real her also played by Gwyneth Paltrow? We yes. never see no, her. No, it's really played by. It's really. It's I a, literally it's, have not seen it's, this. <laughs> it's sort of. You remember? You know that the movie The Whale that came out. Sure. This is comedy. I actually the do Whale. Know that movie. Oh, this is comedy version of that movie. In a sense, when that involves a fat suit. Uh, this is twenty-eight dresses for me. Okay, I think that's right. I think that's right. 1993's Groundhog Day. The oh, dread of realizing one. Bill Murray's character has been slowly learning about Andy McDowell as he tries to have sex with her thousands upon thousands of times, none of which she retains when the day resets. There's also another character in the film that he dupes into having sex with him we don't know how many times. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember that part of this movie. Remember he goes, he 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 walks by this I'm, woman. I'm experiencing a groundhog today. He says to her, oh, he gets some information like, where'd you go to school? When did you graduate? So the next time he wakes up, he can go up yeah. to her and say, he can pretend they went to high school together. And then smash. Yes. And then, okay. and then yeah. This movie, I'm, it's like two or three dresses. This seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. You know, that's that's and that's what we're giving it. This seems fine. It seems fine. Wait, what's your dress count on this one? Oh, I think it's not. It's pretty high. <laughs> I think it's pretty high because I, of Bill Murray. Well, yes. I mean, I okay. think yes, I but also I think from the perspective of the women of the film, you know, I guess it's sort of like what is the moral cost of the days between his first day and his last day in which he mistreats people Mm. who then wake up having that never in some sense happened. I should give this more dresses. I think a few more dresses wouldn't hurt. 20 more dresses. Okay. I think 20 dresses. We're in the 20 dresses range. 1998's You've Got Mail. The horror of gleaning the fact that Tom Hanks is clearly enjoying the destruction of Meg Ryan's bookstore on some level. No no kind person could do something so so bizarre. He, He not only, once he finds out that it's her, he A, continues his plan to destroy her livelihood, and B, stands her up and then humiliates her when she thinks she's going to meet the love of her life. He owns basically Barnes and Noble before Amazon. Mm. He could have just said, hey, this one branch of the bookstore, we're not having a kid's bookstore, and we're going to have a little sign that says, check out the shop around the corner. That's all it would take. All he fucking needed was one sign that said, check out the shop around the corner, around the corner. And then they both would have been fine, and she forgives him, even though he seems to have learned nothing. I'm going to give it a dress because here's the thing. It is a remake of one of my absolute favorite movies, Shop Around the Corner, by one of my absolute favorite filmmakers, Ernst Lubitsch. Okay. And I enjoy it. It's capitalism. Yeah, and it's gaslighting, and it's (laughs) marvelous. One dress. One dress. Sorry, Meg. Sorry, Meg. It's one dress. It was for my entertainment, Meg. Now we have 1993's Sleepless in Seattle, the Nora Ephron Mm -hmm. rom-com. The horror of a woman who only knows you from the radio following you to your houseboat where you live with your son. Hmm. (laughs) That's not not so bad. bad. Oh, okay. We are not on the same page. We are not at all. We are not. But see, that's what makes makes life wonderful, diversity. Yeah, that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, this is, okay, keep going. I interrupted you. 
No, I've said my piece. Okay. She basically stalks this man. She does. And she uses her um her her nascent reporter's internet. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the with the green screen and the typing? That's right. She look up information about him. She go she gets like a, she goes into like microfiche and she pulls up the location of his houseboat. Also, by the way, you know what's horrifying? This the idea of dating like someone dating. on a houseboat. What? This just sounds like dating to me. That is like dating. Right? Like, don't you just, don't you stalk whoever you're about? Uh, this this is fine. This is just Yeah, I agree. This I'm with you. One or two dresses. One dress at max. It's fine. It's no, You're fine, Meg. Wow. <laughs> I'm also realizing Wait, that. Is the other movie payback for what she does in this movie? Yes. Wow. Yes. See? They, they, they are in conversation with each other. I stand by my single dress ratings. And you've got mail. The Fox family does have a houseboat. See? Right? See? Right? Cinema. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's keep I'm excited. Let's what's Next up, we have 2005's In Her Shoes. Oof. I I fucking hate this movie. Y'all literally found Okay, okay, yeah, no. I also have feelings about this movie that I definitely saw. I hate this movie. Here's the deal with 2005's In Her Shoes. Mhm. The horror of realizing that we're supposed to forgive Cameron Diaz for sleeping with her sister's boyfriend, her sister played by Tony Collette. That's suppo- Tony. Okay. Because the reason we're supposed to forgive Cameron Diaz is because Cameron Diaz's character can't read. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fucking crazy. I, we can't show it. You can't even show the thing because it like it trivializes not being able to read. Like it's unfucking believable. So, Wait, have you guys seen this movie? No. Okay, thank. Okay, okay. I didn't know this was a movie until now. It is. It is. It Tony is a, Collette is really in this movie. It's a moral horror. Okay. The, like the the, the the idea that like the idea that like <laughs> cheating with your sister's boyfriend yes is oh is like undone in terms of like your culpability because you can't read why can't she read it's i don't think it's really fully explained really okay but it really fucks up her audition to be an mtv vj that's real which makes sense this feels like the horror is society yeah i think that's right yeah 25 dresses (laughs) (laughs) and finally Man, we really did just load you up with the absolute worst of the okay, world. Okay, I, I like, I, okay, great. 2011's Crazy Stupid Love. Mm-hmm. Everything about this film is haunted. <laughs> a teenage girl takes nude photos to send to Steve Carell. Then at the end, she hands the photos to Steve Carell's son, who she babysits to, quote, get him through high school. Oh, that is fucked up. That's fucked up. Also, this movie has something that always bugs me in, in a movie. Okay. Which is when a character... Um, hijacks some sort of big event for a bunch of people to give a speech. Mm-hmm. In this case, I believe it's like a high school graduation or some kind of ceremony at a school and gives a long speech directly to one person. <laughs> but if you were in real life and you're just at like a graduation ceremony for your niece or something, yeah. and then a random parent gives a long-winded apology to another stranger you've never met, like just kicks the, pr- the principal's waiting off to the side, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. This isn't your day. This isn't about you. It's like, it's narcissism run amok. White people are crazy. I, I, I honestly would be like, yeah, this is <laughs> pretty typical. <laughs> okay. 25 dresses. 25 dresses. No, I like this movie, though. 12 dresses. 12 dresses. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like how we get on the same page, though. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. 
Great. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I was just trying to think of another question. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Yeah. You've been dealing with some loss. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been really hard since Brian died. Yeah. He was crushed. He was crushed by a chandelier. Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody played a uh, baseball song. organ. Oh, okay. Which I think was insulting because it was meant to be something more scary. Right. To create the mood of hauntedness. You should play the song chandelier. Oh, yeah, by yeah. Sia. Mm -hmm. There's a video going around on TikTok, and I don't know that you've seen it, where I believe it's a Kathy Griffin-hosted dinner party. Okay. And then it, at the dinner party, Sia starts singing her songs at the table, like kind of acapella. White people. Well, and I just, and it's being shared, like, isn't this amazing? Wouldn't it be so cool to be at a dinner party where Sia starts <laughs> singing her song? But all I can think is like, oh, my fucking God. You know what I mean? You're sitting at a dinner table, and then all of a sudden, like, Someone's just singing, and you're all just sitting in fucking silence while someone does like their art. Crazy, stupid love. It's not. I don't. I, it makes me so uncomfortable. Did she have that wig on? Uh, I do, no, no. She's she, she's just in her. She's oh. in her civilian gear. She's she's she, she was Bruce Wayne, not Batman at that moment. Oh, you know what I mean. The wig is when she's in Batman mode. Wow, that would be an awkward dinner. I would. I would like to be there though. Two dresses. <laughs> Justin Simeon, everybody. Hey. We'll be back with a rat wheel. This is fun. <laughs> Next up, please give a very spooky welcome to... Whoa, why are the lights flickering? John, you oh. should have worn a different shirt today, John. You look so bad. Producer Brian, is that you? You're going to tell Justin fucking Simeon that you're okay if I die? <laughs> it's a joke. It means nothing if I die? means so much if you hey hey i'd be devastated hey brian i want you to know i'd be devastated if you died one more take <laughs> but brian you're dead i'm haunting you you dummy watch this watch what nah i just got so cold and interested in latin and summer stock theater for a second brian did you just walk through me <laughs> knock it off you may be a ghost, but the rest of us still have a show to do. Speaking of which, I got my cars mixed up when you startled me as an apparition. Which segment is next? Am I still on your meager little payroll? I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> as a disembodied spirit, I don't think we're set up for that, no. Then I can't help you. All right, get out of here, ghost Brian. Go knock some stuff over at Tommy's house or something. <laughs> when we come back, this is working, horny ghosts. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. And we're back. Please welcome back to the stage two incredible, hilarious returning champions. It's Jamie Loftus and Kieran Deal. That's us. That's us. It's the Rosé Girls. We're here. We're here. Um, welcome to our spooky episode. Thank you so much. We are uh, very excited and a little bit frightened. Yes. Do you no, I'm not. I'm very brave. Oh, that's cool. You're brave. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> that's nice. Do you? You know, what does it mean to you to be brave? Oh, uh, to it's it's more of a performance than anything else. <laughs> but I think that's cool because you know it doesn't mean you know you can still be afraid and be brave. Uh, yeah. No, I I I do that every day. Anytime I'm walking around after eight p.m., I'm. <laughs> Performing being brave. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I have a in little a way, knife on my keys, but no one knows that. It looks like it, it looks like a leaf. It looks like a leaf keychain. So my that you know, I am the leaf and inside is the knife. Does that make sense? That's yes. like a poem. 
It is like a poem. Sorry. Yeah, I had to. I I I, I just wanted to read that poem for you guys. Is that okay? <laughs> if you're not afraid, you can't be brave. You're well, just someone who doesn't have. You know what I mean? To be brave mm-hmm. is to be afraid, in a sense. You have to know fear to know bravery. Have you ever seen a ghost? Yes. And that undercuts everything else I just said, so you don't have to take me it seriously does. It anymore. Does. It literally, like, all of the rest of it is not important now. It yes. was like, now I'm with white people talking about ghosts. Yes. Uh, you know, do you believe in ghosts? Of course I don't believe in ghosts, John. Really? Oh, Jonathan, of course I don't believe in ghosts. Say more about that. <laughs> what? I, I I just I think it's uh, come on what are we doing you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah it's I don't like, know we're seeing it's, ghosts it's it's we're manufacturing like fake problems of fucking like transparent creatures who are working on your lights get the fuck out of my life I have real <laughs> bills to pay like you know gas is expensive eggs cost a lot of money that's what I'm focused on. Ghost? No, I'm You're not doing it. You're being a classic it. Pisces right now. Thank you so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Shake. I don't know what this means, but I put believing in ghosts and believing in horoscopes into the same category. Mm. Mm. That feels that feels accurate. Horoscopes make more sense to me personally because oh, I, they make more sense because it's like, why would I want control in a world that makes me feel like I have none? How do horoscopes help that problem? Wait, so because it's like it's like oh, did Trump get elected because you know America is having a crisis of late stage capitalism, or mm. was Mercury in retrograde? Oh, okay, I see, I see. You see? Yeah, I see. I, I try to focus more on like service oriented ghosts. I like to think the ghosts are like helping me out around the house. They're shutting. They're shutting shit off. Aren't those ancestors? They're do you. That's ghosts. Wait, wait, what? That's ghosts. <laughs> hold on, hold on a second. That's ghosts. What do you Those mean? Are ancestors. That's a different thing. I'm sorry. Ghosts do you don't believe have to be strangers. D- hold on a second. Are you saying that you don't believe in ghosts, but you do believe your dead ancestors help you in your life? I mean, I don't believe that, but that makes more sense to me. It's reasonable. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, well, again, because that's more about a way to get through. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a way to get through your life when you feel like it's careening out of control. Ghosts, to me, are about creating a problem that is a distraction that you are focused on that doesn't have to exist. Your ancestors helping you through your life is a way to cope with your life careening out of control. Does that make sense? I guess what I'm hearing is here's what I'm in the same way that I've learned recently that a pumpkin is a gourd, but a gourd isn't necessarily a pumpkin. Yes. Mm, an rectangle. ancestor is a ghost, but a ghost is not an ancestor. And you're describing a specific kind of ghost. And this, John, this, John, is why I'm so grateful to know you and also why it's disappointing that you haven't yet let me use your pool. <laughs> <laughs> It's important Boo-hoo. to see these things on air, you know. Um, yeah, good week for booze. Good week, yeah, good for, week. Great for, booze. for booze. Huge. I love think- the decor. I love the cobwebs everywhere. I, I do. I love that, though. I got some of those, like, spiders for love my... Love the spiders. Yeah, well, I love the little spiders. I love the 12-foot skeletons. There's been... It, it's, like, kind of becoming a, uh, a pox of 12-foot skeletons in my area. I got lost in my own neighborhood the other day, which is very much my fault. But I came across, you know, this, like, glorious 12-foot skeleton that I do feel like they're kind of agents of the state because they have the computer eyes. And so I do think that, like, I am being surveilled when I'm in front of the 12-foot skeleton. But it works for me because when I'm being, like, 
when I'm beholding and being beheld by the 12 foot skeleton, I just feel this, I feel awe. I feel seen, I feel beautiful. (laughs) And I just find myself standing in front of a stranger's home for minutes at a time, looking at the, the big old skeleton. Is it because you're also tall? I'm about not to. I'm about half the size of the twelve foot skeleton. So about, about two meters. John one and I are about a we're third. all about half the. Yeah. <laughs> half. We're all about half the size so of twelve foot skeleton. So sorry. Yes. Twelve foot skeleton. Also, what I thought. Are you pro con? Well, like, well, how do we feel? Well, here's about what it? I'm thinking about the twelve foot skeleton. Uh-huh. Is that just, sometimes the bigger something gets, the scarier it gets. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it gets over a certain size and it starts becoming less scary. In the same way. So, like, to me, a a six-foot skeleton is scarier than a 12-foot skeleton. Because it reminds you of what is inside of your body right now. Right. It's it's plausible. Yeah. In the same way that, to me, a bigger spider is scarier than a littler spider. But once a spider becomes a crab, it stops being scary. When does a spider start becoming a crab? When it's about the size of a crab. I see. I see. You know what I'm saying? It's a very one-to-one ratio. I just... You know what I mean? It's making sense. Why do you think we think of spiders as spooky, but not other bugs, like ants or flies? Why did the spider get this brand? How did the spider get in on this Halloween thing? Why are webs? Why are webs the thing? Mm, I feel like if you can build a home through, I think it's like okay. I think with spiders, they can build a home ver- uh, out of what I think. I know nothing about spiders, but they basically build a home out of what comes out of their ass, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that people are threatened by that because <laughs> we can't do that. The spider has. I mean, the spider is quite incredible. It has a tremendous amount of agency. It eats the other bugs. It has all those eyes and legs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It, I agree with you that a spider is. It's quite magnificent of a creature. Yeah, I think like a, a lot of uh, people and, and creatures and, and all these things that are you're taught to believe are scary, it's just simply because they are so powerful. They and can shit out their house. They can shit out their house and people don't feel comfortable with that. What I enjoy is going to like a Halloween Horror Nights or something like that. Mm-hmm. I like going to some place where it's made to scare you, but like legally they can't touch you because I find that to be one of the safest places on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like nothing truly bad can happen to you at a place where like like killer clowns are coming at you. And so whenever they come very close to my face, I end up cackling like a witch and finding it delightful and like giggling and like clapping my hands and they look so disappointed and the entire experience is like sex. You tr- <laughs> so you try to scare the scarers? I don't scare, I don't know. I, I am delighted by them and their efforts and <laughs> the delight is very disappointing to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. I find myself unable to step outside of whatever, I become quite guileless inside of any kind of horror environment, be it a, a haunted house, a hayride, or even a film. And I never, especially when I was, I really struggled with horror movies. They like really scared me. And it wasn't until I went, I moved to LA as a full fledged adult and went to a set for the first time that I figured out what to do when I was too scared of a horror movie, Mm. which was to, no matter what horror movie you're watching, no matter how scary it is, no matter what's happening, I always remember that there was a Diet Coke and like a tray of crackers and a thing with almonds like within 20 feet of every single thing I'm seeing at mm-hmm. all times. There's not a thing I'm seeing in which there isn't like a, a stack of kind bars just like right behind them. <laughs> and that really helps me. Yeah, there's a cheese tray by Jason. Yeah, just like somewhere just right, just behind whatever I'm seeing right there. 
behind me mm-hmm. in the world of the film. I feel that way when whenever I'm like walking around in a city I don't know and it's getting dark and you're just like what am I going to do like if I get lost here what's going to happen and I'm like if I wa- if I can live for another hour I will hit a CVS <laughs> and I'll smell the carpet and I'll and and then the world will like you know retain order in some way it's nice that is nice hey um speaking of ghosts <laughs> was uh, Devin Sawa as Casper yes. a pivotal stepping stone on your path to discovering your sexuality as a yes. kid as it was for everyone everyone are, uh, roughly roughly of an age that was young enough to watch Casper when we were kids yes see I think the Casper the ghost I, I, I saw Casper at the New Beverly this weekend because I was like I gotta see Devin Sawa big as I can but I I personally am pro Bill Pullman in Casper, oh, the yeah. hot dad who also becomes a cartoon ghost. The little, his cowlick was but really Jamie, is that doing a, that. Is that a reflection of me. your own maturity and growth as a human woman? Yeah. I'm No, no. When I was a kid too, I wanted to fuck the dad. That's cool. But I think, I think nothing. So you're that. consistent. You're consistent. Yes. When I saw yes. Casper as a kid, I remember I, it was, it was, it was too, I definitely didn't know I was gay. But I remember when Casper becomes a real boy and dances with, is that Chris, Christina Ricci? Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. I remember just being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Casper as a real boy is so cool. I want to be friends with Casper the real boy. <laughs> <laughs> and now I realize. Uh, not too long ago, we on Love It or Leave It played a game called Would You Fuck This Alien? with the wonderful comedian Morgan Jay. In celebration of both All Hallows' Eve and Love It or Leave It's proud tradition of coming up with a title first and working our way backwards from there, Jamie and Kieran, get ready to play a segment we're calling Would You Fuck This Ghost? (laughs) All right, first up, Would You Fuck This Ghost? Bruce Willis in 1990s' The Sixth Sense. Pro, great with kids. Well, this kid. Con, settled for a marriage so terrible he didn't even realize his wife couldn't see him. (laughs) Spoiler alert for The Sixth Sense. I'm trying to be more uh, generous in my narrative spectrum of who I would allow into my life and vagina, but I'm still going to go with no. Wow. So sorry, so sorry. I'm so sorry that I lost the crowd on that. <laughs> They're like, oh my, you should fuck that ghost. <laughs> See, I have mostly led my sexual history with uh, what would that be like? And so I'm going to be a hard yes. Uh, I want to say, what would that spectral dick be like? You know? And, and I had a lot of questions for your producers on this. It's like, if he's a ghost, like, like, is there spectral dick? Like, how does it function? Does it function like, like, does the person just go entirely through you? What does it feel like? You would know? you want him to tell you or would you want to just find out via it happening? <sighs> Jamie, you ask the really hard questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so hypothetical. I mean, I, I think I'd want to be prepared, a little bit prepared. I'd want some narrative gesture of understanding. Mm. Whatever it is, I'm in. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Beetlejuice, the titular star of Tim Burton's 1988 classic, Beetlejuice. I mean, this is... A, a pop from the crowd. <laughs> They're like, not this one. Do you, you're, you're a no? I would say yes on this one. Um, oh, so- 
I would go yes because this guy's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy's hilarious. Yeah. This is most of the male stand-up community, this basically. Is, this is, these are, <laughs> you know, this is my, this, this is, is my crowd. These are, this is my family. You yeah. know, this is doing nonsense. It's you know, he's moldy. He's doing bits. He's a stand-up. You're yeah, right. It's, ridi- yeah, it's I've, ridiculous. The suit. He's con- He's like, he's like Eddie Murphy from the '80s. Yeah. What's not to like? It's great. I've definitely fucked guys like this, but. <laughs> I my whole thing I've actually thought about fucking Beetlejuice quite a bit and my my whole thing for years has been when he comes assuming he comes he's dead we don't know uh, are the is his uh, does does I I'm assuming he comes scabs right Ooh, come but on no stay with me yeah. are the scabs wet or dry and I've thought about this further and if he comes wet scabs. It sounds like a laser jet printer would. <laughs> but if he comes dry scabs, it sounds like a deck of cards being shuffled. <laughs> and so the answer isn't would I, because I obviously would, but like, again, what would it be like? It's qualitative. Your questions are all qualitative. And they, they have they have su- and they have such a great deal of detail. And I do want to be clear to the crowd that we were refused to see the ghosts in advance. <laughs> So Jamie truly has thought about this. This has been on my mind for a very long time. In great detail. Like, that's not, that's not you making that up on the spot. That's like you have really gone on a deep dive as to what this would be like. I think dry. <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have the library goes to the beginning of the original Ghostbusters. Well, that's that's in the that's in scary form, but I, I the question is, would you that that that's a no for me? But but maybe in librarian form, I like being shushed. <laughs> that that works for me. The teeth remind me of the English, and I hate them. <laughs> but I'm gonna say yes because I like the two tone mode okay. of the ghost, and it feels like it would be fun. Hmm. Something different, like a roller coaster. Something different, something different, Jamie. I'm shocking myself by being a no on this ghost. It's a toothy ghost. Uh, Is it because they're ugly teeth? It's uh, look. I don't. I, I don't think that as someone with gum disease, I wouldn't like to be seen in this form. Uh, so I don't think that the angle nor the transparency is doing the ghost any favors. But yeah, I'm kind of a no for this ghost, uh, just strictly on. The vibes of the ghosts and Ghostbusters are alone are bizarre to me because I feel like ghosts, when they are like Casper or like Casper's uncles or the ghosts and Ghostbusters, if they're men, they can look like anything. But if they're women, it is just a transparent woman with huge jugs. Mm. And I object to the ghost politics of Ghostbusters. So I'm a no on the library and mm. ghost. Next up, we have Jacob Marley from Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol. <laughs> Pro. Uh, he warns his old co-worker Ebenezer Scrooge against being a lifelong prick lest he be tortured in the afterlife. He has the most normal ghost name on our list. <laughs> also, uh, he wear, but his con is he wears the chains he forged in life and you know they're just going to absolutely destroy your sheets. I'm a hard no on this. Um, and that's because um, if I'm not even going to see the fruits of the labor of your evil in your 1% um, in my life, I'm not fucking you in your afterlife when you're like, mm, sorry, you know, I'm not doing it. Okay. I would ultimately, I'm a no, but I would really play it out for a while. I feel like I could be an extension of his hell on earth in a really interesting way. <laughs> 
like where I would really get him to believe that I will stick around and I will so much as hover my pelvis above this ghost. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, ride or die, I will not ride and he is dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I agree. It's an, it's sorry. Sorry, Marley. It's a no. Sorry this to is, this ghost. This is a, the Elon Musk of ghosts. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pass. Yeah. It's a pass. Next up, the ghost of Christmas past as played by Carol Kane in Scrooge. Oh. Pro, it's Carol fucking Kane. Con, there is no con. She's got, she does a little, she has a little um, uh, 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 S&M vibe in this film. You know, she's constantly kind of tweaking them and, and, and like kind of poking them and, and instilling little bits of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, that's her vibe. I would let this woman hit me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She could do whatever she wants. Uh, she And also the fact that she represents the past and like something that I can really glaze over and idealize is, is just a perk. I, I'm sorry to correct. I believe I misspoke. I believe she does represent the present. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> but of course I would still fuck her. Because <laughs> she takes him around. She takes him around the present because it's the cab driver. That takes him. Oh. That takes Bill Murray back to the past mm-hmm. to see his childhood home. It's Carol Kane takes him through the present. I would fuck Carol Kane. That is correct. Next up, <laughs> and finally, we have Slimer from 1984's Ghostbusters. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! There he is, Slimer, a palpable joie de vivre. That we can imagine translating nicely to the bedroom. Con, the slime, which also might be a pro, depending. Uh, We have no idea what Slimer was as a person. We don't know what... Slimer doesn't actually make sense. Sometimes he moves through things. Sometimes he bumps into things. He can Mm -hmm. eat hot dogs and move through walls and people. Where do the hot dogs go? What do they become? Why does he want them? People if have asked this about me many times. Food, <laughs> food tastes good to Slimer. Yeah. To what end? <laughs> Are you going to fuck Slimer or not? He's memorable. I mean, you have to give it to him that he's memorable. Like, we all know him. We all smile a little bit. But I can't decide if Slimer is somebody that I would friend zone and be like, oh, Slimer, you crazy, you crazy ghost. I just don't feel, I just don't. I, I just don't feel, feel it. Here, have a hot dog. Let's get a coffee. It's fine. I just you don't know? have those feelings for you, Slimer. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I like, and I, I hear you like we are so compatible um, and we get along. We have so much fun. But for me, it's just not like there. You feel kind of like a vibe between you guys. Yeah, but it's just not there. And then okay. Slimer's like, oh, it's because you just, you just don't find me attractive. And it's like, no, no, Slimer, that's not it. I don't like how he's confrontational like that. That bothers me. <laughs> that I was a hypothetical situation. But it's actually what I like about Slimer because it's like so direct. You know, he's like, Slimer, here's the thing about Slimer. You like that? Slimer doesn't play fucking games. All no, right? obviously, he's which sli- is weird because he like has nothing if not time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all ghosts, but that, that counts for everyone on the list. Technically. That's true. But you're a you're no for Slimer? Yeah, I'm a no on Slimer. I'm a no on Slimer. I think we'd have fun hanging out, but I can't go there with you, Slimer. That's what, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of of the same opinion. I feel like he is... Life of the party. 
life of the party, but a bit of a tryhard, you know, and mm. it, this is not a mistake you would make after you've had a few glasses of wine. You know, you just wouldn't make this mistake. You would make the mistake that I said earlier, uh, Beetlejuice. <laughs> that is the kind of, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Beetlejuice, how do you fucking do it? Exactly. That's exactly, <laughs> if they were meeting, I do feel like that would be the conversation. I do feel like Beetlejuice would constantly be getting laid and Slimer would be like, but I'm more interesting than you. What's happening? But if you put a suit on Slimer, would it change things? I just, uh, you know. He's so amorphous. As, as I, you know, I, I love scraps and so I would probably I would probably make this work. <laughs> I could I could fix him. I could improve this guy. I do think Slimer is peak. This is what passes for a man in the Ghostbusters universe, and a woman has to have huge tits. I cannot emphasize it enough, and also has to be giving Dan Aykroyd I think a blowjob yeah, in, this, in the one does, scene in which she appears. She does get a she, Dan, Dan Aykroyd does get a blowjob in this film. Meanwhile, anyone who would fuck a man in their life, which is already generous, is left Doing a God's slimer. Yeah. Is left a slimer. Uh, but he is at a hot dog stand, and so I feel like we do have things in common. I think we could, we would have places to go and things to do. And I would, you know, I would probably hang out with him for three to four years before coming to my senses. So, would you describe him as Gen Z? Oh, um, would I describe? Slimer, Slimer as Gen, Gen Z. Z, like tra- like kind of transient, like going, like vibing, going with the flow, eating hot dogs, but sometimes showing up where they're not wanted. You're describing me. You're describing me to myself. So I guess I would. Yeah, I would do it. Gen I Z. would do it. Yeah, I guess yeah. the question for all of us is: Would Slimer fuck us? Yeah. The question we didn't ask even one time about any of these ghosts. It didn't occur to us even one time to imagine that any one of these ghosts would say no to us. Like. Like, like the idea, like like Bruce Willis might not be interested in us. Slimer might be exceptionally choosy right. about who he gives his. Slime. Ghost I'm the too. only person on this. I'm the only person on this panel who is like impossible. <laughs> they would all want to fuck us. We're great. I would really. I would engage in a long. Uh, friendship with Slimer while he slowly explained to me why he did not want to fuck me <laughs> over a course of months. So I think I'm a yes on Slimer. The hard to get component. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like other ghosts. He's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we have to, and we simply have to leave it there. Thank you so much to Jamie and Kieran. Jamie's incredible book, Raw Dog, is out now. That was a book we talked about last time, your hot dog book. Yeah. Uh, and Kieran is in Seattle November 4th at the Crocodile Room, and her special is taping right here in L.A. at Dynasty Typewriter on November 12th. When we come back, it's time for the rant wheel. Oh, great. What now, Ghost Brian? I'm bored, John. No one in West Hollywood is even scared of me. They keep looking at their phones. So why not just walk into the light or whatever? Why are you still here? I don't know. Slimer said I'd get out of here if I fucked him, so I did, and it didn't even help. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Let's figure this out. Do you have any unfinished business? A score to settle? Something left unsaid? Hmm. Maybe there is something I need to get off my chest. Something I need to say to you, John. (laughs) Okay, but is it nice? Is it about it's, how good a boss I am, Brian? Okay, so the thing... Never mind, shut up, <laughs> shut up. You can't haunt the series garage forever. I don't even want to hear it. 
Don't make me shush you. I know how much you like it. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here, Brian. Fine. He's eligible. Oh, no. He still has our... That was the Ozempic theme song. <laughs> he still has our sound library. I didn't think this through. Oh, well, we come back the rant wheel. And we're back. You guys know about Karyuma shoes. They're cool. They're ethically made. And you can walk around in them without having to take embarrassing little breaks. I love and wear Karyuma sneakers all the time. They are very good. They're very comfortable. They look cool. I can't believe we just released a second shoe with them. The Love It or Leave It sneakers. They even have a tiny picture of a dog surfing on them. Also, a portion of the proceeds from every single pair we sell is donated to Vote Save America's Every Last Vote Fund. Crooked's last collaboration with Karyuma sold out super quickly, so make sure to snag a pair while you can. They're the perfect gift for the holiday season with free returns. They're really awesome. There's two beautiful designs. One is in lavender and one is in black. They're really cool. Check them out. Crooked.com slash store. Also, quick shout out to our friends of the pod subscription community. I'm stopping by the Friend of the Pod Discord on Wednesday, November 1st for a round of Ask Me Almost Anything, where I'll be chatting with subscribers and answering your questions. If you haven't subscribed to Friends of the Pod yet, please do it. Go to crooked.com slash friends to sign up. And again, when you sign up for the best friends tier on the community, a portion goes to support Vote Save America. The Friends of the Pod community is great. You get A, a bunch of content that you only get as a subscriber. We do a really awesome show called Terminally Online. There's a Discord, which is basically like a Twitter just for us without the, uh, the bots and freaks. And you get to be a part of the Voice of America community. And being a part of the community is very fun. Once you sign up, you will see. So please go to crooked.com slash friends and sign up. All right. Please welcome back Justin to the stage to join for the rant wheel. Hi. I'm over there. I've been drinking. Great. Yeah, you have. Oh, Us yeah. Too. Now it's time for the rant wheel. Woo! Yeah. This week on The Wheel, we have jack-o'-lanterns in L.A. We have learning things about Britney, Jada, and Justin. We have the culture. We have minions are the most genius comedy innovation since the Marx Brothers. We have slutty costumes. We have green ribbon around my wife's neck. Oh, I hate that fucking story. We have rapping... We have rap, rap, rapping at my chamber doors, and we have things that go bump in the night. Let's spin The Wheel. Almost. <laughs> jack o lanterns in L.A. This is my rant. Here's what I wanted to say. Uh, we don't have the temperature for them. <laughs> uh, we simply can't have them. I, I, I love carving a pumpkin. Every year, one of my favorite events is the Crooked Pumpkin Carving. And every year, it is in mid-October. And within 72 hours, I got a fucking pile of disgusting pumpkin mold sitting in front of my door. This environment is not meant for these seasonal gourds and we should still carve something out here but it just doesn't have to be a pumpkin i'm open to other ideas i'm open to carving something else but i love the carving tradition and the pumpkins it's just not working it's simply not working and we have to face it climate change is real it is here it is happening all right the same reason that state farm is abandoning us is the same reason these pumpkins can't make it till October 31st. They simply cannot make it. Thank you. It's not just uh, State Farm, it's also Geico. And Geico. Wait, what's happening? The insurance companies are saying goodbye to California because of our fires and floods and storms. No, the pumpkins. What's happening the with pumpkins the pumpkins? The pumpkins are rotting. 
the pumpkins are turning to shit too quickly because of it. Oh. Be, because I because you, you, you carve a pumpkin. Here's the thing. I don't do. I don't carve a pumpkin. Okay. Yeah. And this isn't about you. Well, why is it not about me? Why don't you carve a pumpkin? Because it's, it's labor intensive. It's fun. <laughs> a it's a answer. fun thing to do. But if you have one day, basically, we had one day where it hit like 88 or 90 degrees. Yeah. That pumpkin is absolutely fucking toast. And I know that they say online you put Vaseline in the little eye holes that you, you make. Do? That okay, doesn't do anything. You lube up your pumpkin? You're supposed to. That's nasty. I learned it from the from the lady who also explains that you can get the pumpkin goop out by using your hand mixer. <laughs> okay, is the are the pumpkins like a euphemism for something? No. They're okay. just simply pumpkins. Okay. But you did say gourd like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it is a euphemism. Okay. That's what I thought. I, I think people of LA, the people of Los Angeles are quite annoying anyway, so maybe you should just carve an avocado. Well, that did not go over well with the crowd no, of Los it Angeles. Did. It, John but is it, mad, I think though. that's gonna do well globally, so yeah. fuck you guys. Yeah. And I'm, that's an important thing that we try to keep in mind here, which is that this audience is insignificant <laughs> to the vast numbers of people that listen to this the show at home. The 14 of you and your disdain for me does not matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. To me. If every person in this room decided to never listen to the podcast again, we wouldn't know. It would be just completely invisible into the scale. You don't understand how popular this show is. Also, but also, but also, thank you thank so much, you so for, much being for being here. here. Thank you for being here. It's wonderful to see you all, and we love you. Uh, and, we love you and your presence and your bright, shining faces. And the pumpkin is a metaphor for the impossibility of L.A. fulfilling the promise we invent for it in our minds. Damn. Whoa. You got to lube it up. And you got, which is why we you gotta, gotta lube, lube up, up the holes of Los Angeles. You gotta lube up that hole in your heart. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And that lube still isn't gonna get you there, which is even more of the Los Angeles metaphor. Which, by the way, speaking of lube, I have another rant. <laughs> okay, it's not, it's not on the wheel. It's, it's okay, not on the wheel. How the homophobia of y'all not asking me what ghosts I would fuck? What you? It was just segmenting. You heard me. <laughs> Well, which Slimer to- would have made an excellent lubricant. I would not have fucked him, but still, I wanted to bring that up. Continue. Well, I've saw I, again. It was truly, simply the luck of no, which it's, segments. It was homophobia. Oh, and racism. All right. <laughs> uh, and I'm learning, and I'm listening, uh, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm taking it in, and I'm leaving, creating space. Uh, <laughs> To appreciate what you're saying. No, it's fine. And not, not getting it's defensive. Fine. I got it off my chest. We can. I, and just and just for clarity, mm-hmm. it's a no on Slimer. It was a no on Slimer. But I'm was... still the only yes on Slimer. That's right. But yeah. Beetlejuice was a quick yes. But y'all don't know that. It doesn't matter. Let's keep going. I have other things. Beetlejuice was a yes for me, too. Oh, my God. I'm like Justin. We're like friends. It's fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's spin it again. again. <laughs> that was pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> It has landed on the culture. The culture was mine. Uh, And that was because, guys, what the fuck do I have to say about Halloween, really, you know, is is the question. And, And I just got back from the UK. 
that's a real thing. And I was telling Jamie in the green room, I said, uh, I hate it there. We talked about this. The teeth look like a mouth of broken piano keys. And um, the weather there looks like what depression feels like. It's just gray skies Mm -hmm. that just go on and on and on. It's like that's one of the reasons I'm very grateful that I live in this land of avocados and sun. It's because when I feel shitty, it's me. (laughs) And it's not the weather. And I love that about here you know I love that about here but one thing that the British really do right is in their costuming it's all about being bloody it's not about being sexy it's not about being slutty it's all about being bloody if you're Pocahontas it's not sexy Pocahontas it's bloody Pocahontas it's bloody ladybird not sexy ladybird and I was like these are the OG colonizers um (laughs) Maybe they like are it's a little showcase for them. I kind of love it, you know. Um pun. <laughs> <laughs> love it, you know. It's like pretty chic. Um and yeah, and and the the bloodiness is something that I I I personally appreciate quite a bit, um especially since the special that I'm shooting at Dynasty Typewriter on November 12th is actually about getting hit in the face with a bottle and being bloodied and that is happening on uh Diwali, which is, you know, Halloween, Halloween and Diwali fall very close together. But the other thing I would talk about in terms of culture is the combo holiday. Um Halloween always falls very close to Diwali and I would like to see more Diwaliween parties. Ooh. I would like to see a little bit more of the other cultures. We are a melting pot of a nation. And I think you're right. Cobwebs are a little tired. The jack-o'-lanterns are moldy. You know, why not avocados? And why not bring in the traditions, the bloody gore of Britain, you know, uh, the, the Wally <laughs> of the Indian into our Halloween celebration so that we update it as we head towards destruction in late-stage capitalism together. Yeah. <laughs> Let's spin it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. That's challenging. <laughs> oh, this isn't fair. Slutty okay. costumes are a vital part of our society. This is First a counterpoint. All, it's actually a counterpoint. This is becoming a debate now. I don't, this is, and I also didn't know they just published the full sentence you you send in the email. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I do think this is true. I've come all the way around on this. This is my rant. Slutty costumes, I think, are a vital part of our society. I think because I was grown, when I was conditioned when I was a kid to not dress slutty, to believe that it is a bad thing to dress like a slutty insert uh, job for uh, for Halloween. Well, I think it all depends on what you are dressing slutty as. There are bad decisions that are made each and every year that are very telling about who you're looking at, right? And I think we as taxpayers are funding people's little outfits all the fucking time. We're funding the military's little outfits. We're wow. funding the police force's little outfits. <laughs> when Halloween comes around, I want to be dressing as the sluttiest person I find important as possible. This year it is Jigsaw. Uh, Jigsaw, I think it is important to, to, I mean, I I think it is important to examine the question, what would Jigsaw look like with titties? And am I the ideal candidate to show that? If you're sitting in the room, obviously I'm not. But uh, I do think that it is important to uh, encourage people to be as slutty as they want. Halloween is a real mating season. You can meet some uh, people that look a lot of interest 
interesting ways. <laughs> Beetlejuice, for you instance. You can read Beetlejuice, and then you're like, well, what does he come? And not, now I can find out this is my opportunity, right? There's a lot of chances. I, I, uh, I, and for a long time, I refused to dress as slutty anything. And last year, I tried slutty minion. And it's the simplest costume in the world. It's just a yellow leotard with your ass hanging out and anything denim. <laughs> and it... <laughs> If we're speaking to Halloween budget, it couldn't be easier. You have the denim at your house, most likely. The yellow leotard, pretty easy to find, pretty low budget. And uh, and you will get fucked as a slutty minion. It's just so easy. Now, now quick question. Because you were Please. so anti mm-hmm. the slutty uh, uh, titty ghosts in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Do mm. you believe that on a on a deeply subconscious level that no, that you, affected you. you into believing that now as an adult you would actualize the sluttiness in the costume today. There's a past part of you that is disgusted, but the, yeah. the present part of you is empowered. I hear you. I hear you. Wait, and the narrative before you answer that question. Not another question. No, I don't, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I'm not going to ask it. I just okay. want to just kind of like put in brackets like the term titty ghost. <laughs> and continue. And, and we're putting titty ghost on the table for now. Uh, I do think that there is something to that. What I would like in my titty ghost is a wider variety, right? Like if I'm, as a woman, if I'm a ghost, I want to be girl slimer, you know? I want to be hawking up loogies so like, with a full set of teeth eating a hot dog but I don't have that option is I girl slimer now. just slimer with a bow slimer yeah it's a like Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man situation, situation. yeah, yeah. what if cool. slimer's non-binary what uh, well I guess yeah no one asked slimer yeah, nobody, nobody asked nobody asked slimer no, not one of you asked slime on all our fucking faces right yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> there <laughs> It is landed on learning things about Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Will, and Jada Smith against my will. That's the whole of the rant because I didn't want to learn anything about these people today, yesterday, this week. I opened up my Instagram for like two seconds, and now I know what Michelle Williams sounds like talking like Britney Spears, describing Justin Timberlake saying for shizzle. And I don't like that. Yeah. I didn't ask for that. Mm-hmm. And now it's in my head forever. And Will and Jada, I don't even know what they're doing, but it's weird, and I know about it. <laughs> you know? And in conclusion, um, uh, Haunted Mansion is now available on Blu-ray. <laughs> And DVD. And this is how I get paid because these are where the residuals kick in. So y'all need to... I'm looking at the 14 of y'all, but everyone else listening... For the people listening at home, there's 200 people here. Yeah. Like, here's the deal. If you are not... If you want to support black artists, (laughs) you will buy it. Haunted Mansion. Also, Bad Hair in my first film, Dear White People as well. And also, you know, I just wish Britney the best. And then that's my rant. Thank you. I love y'all now. And that's the rant wheel. When we come back, we'll end on a high note. And we're back. And now here it is because we all need it, the high note. Hi, my name is Emma and I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
And my high note is that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I actually just finished my battle with breast cancer and I'm officially cancer-free. After 10 months of the diagnosis journey and treatment, including 16 brutal chemo infusions, I'm officially done, and I'm so, so happy and relieved. And I just wanted to say thanks to the Love It or Leave It team for keeping me laughing through lots of recovery and a lot of time driving to and from the hospital. Thanks to you all. Hi, Love It. This is Shannon, and I live in Fort Worth, Texas. My high note this week is that I have recently rediscovered the public library. I am single, and I don't have any kids, and so I pay tons of property taxes and see no tangible benefit. But with the public library, which is free, I have my library card. They have e-readers and electronic um, options, and it's just really fantastic. So just wanted to share my recent learning. It's fantastic, and I'm on my second book loaned. Thanks for all you do. Um, hi, John. My name is Elizabeth, and my high note is uh, something that I've been trying to do for a couple years now and finally just accomplished last week. Um, I was able to publish my very first graphic novel. It's called How to Completely Lose Your Mind, and it's about a tour that I did with my band Pocket Vinyl where we attempted to break a world record. Um, we're on the book tour for it right now, and it's been such a joy to see all of these people um, I don't know, reading this book that has taken me so long and has so many hardships and so many trials to get it published and to get it into people's hands. Um, oh, and then lastly, I did want to say that I've been encouraging people to buy it by going to bookshop.org slash crooked and use your offer code LOVEIT. Um, thanks. Bye. Hey, love it. My name is Frazier. I'm calling in the early hours of the morning on October 24th um, from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I'm very excited to share that um, I've been out canvassing and putting out signs and such for the first openly trans candidate to run for the Alabama State House. Um, today's election day. And I'm really excited to see that things can change across the South, you know, kind of gives you hope. Hi, I love it. My name is Ernestine, and I'm calling from Berlin, Germany. My highlight is that after two years of crushing unpaid labor, next week, a dream becomes a reality. Here in Berlin, we are launching the first by all gender, for all gender, collectively owned and operated escort agency. Um called Paramore Collective. It's been a long road. Your podcast has kept me laughing while dragging myself through reams and reams of German bureaucratic paperwork um, in a language that not even Germans understand. Um, so thank you for all that you do, keeping my spirits high. And if you ever decide to become both body positive and sex positive, uh, the sex worker rights movement in the U.S. could really use all the support it can get. I spent seven years working towards that fruitless cause uh, before moving to Germany to greener pastures. Um, for more information on um, that, you can reach out to me at oppressmenot at protonmail.com. So O-P-P-R-E-S-S-M-E-N-O-T at P-R-O-T-O-N mail.com. And I'm happy to provide you with uh, 
a long list of amazing activists in the States who are working very, very hard to protect the safety and the livelihood of sex workers. Thanks. Ciao. Thanks, everybody. Shared a high note tonight. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, call us at 323-538-2377. That is our show. Thank you so much to Jamie Loftus, Justin Simeon, and Kieran Deal, and to Ghost Brian. There are 373 days until the 2024 elections. That's almost a year, people. God, Buckle like up. Have a great night. Thanks for coming out, and have a great weekend. Woo! Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. Kendra James is our executive producer. Brian Semmel is our producer. And Malcolm Whitfield is our associate producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Gunalan, Peter Miller and Alan Pierre are our writers. Lee Eisenberg produces the show. It's mixed and edited by Evan Sutton. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis provide audio support. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Bernardo Cerna, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Zuri Irvin, David Tolls, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can. You can find those glorious videos at youtube.com slash at love it or leave it podcast. Do us a favor and subscribe to love it or leave it on YouTube. And don't forget to follow us at Crooked media on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. to talk to you about another podcast called Comedy Bang Bang. If you haven't heard of Comedy Bang Bang, it's one of the longest running comedy podcasts out there and truly revolutionized the medium. Every episode host Scott Ackerman interviews a famous guest like Andy Samberg, Sarah Silverman, or John Hamm. But unlike every other normal interview show, Scott and the guests are joined by a group of unhinged fictional characters played by the best comedic improvisers around, people like Nick Kroll, Lauren Lapkus, Paul F. Tompkins, and Ben Schwartz. Over the years, the podcast has built an expanded universe with tons of recurring jokes and fan favorite characters, but the best part is you can still easily jump in at any time and enjoy a new episode as a first-time listener. So check out new episodes of Comedy Bang Bang every Monday wherever you listen.